grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation is that beautiful vision of St. John in Revelation chapter 7. You may be seated. An old proverb says, clothes make the man. And the humorist Mark Twain agreed. He said, of course clothes make the man. Naked people have little or no influence on society. And ZZ Top assures us that every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed man. Well, it's true that people judge you by your outward appearances by the clothes that you wear, and they treat you accordingly. And so sloppy or sophisticated, casual, rebellious, fun-loving, hard-working, professional, how do you want to be judged? How do you want to be treated? Your clothes make the man. It's also true that dressing a certain way can change you. The clothes that you wear can change your attitude. It can give you a better feeling about yourself, the confidence that you need to work harder, to perform better. Your clothes make the man. At a hospital, you recognize the staff by the clothing that they're wearing. At the stadium, you can spot your favorite players by the jerseys that they wear. You can recognize military and police and fire, even the, the people who work at McDonald's. You can identify them by the uniforms that they wear. So what kind of clothes do Christians wear? Do clothes make the Christian? Well, some people are concerned about the kind of clothes that people wear to worship. But that's not what this text is talking about. Some Christians wear Bible verses and crosses in their clothing and on their jewelry and even in their tattoos. But then you watch the way they live and you have to wonder if that's what they really think it means to be a Christian. That's not what this text is talking about either. This text is from the book of Revelation. A book that is rich with all kinds of symbolism but also very difficult at times for us to interpret. We need to remember that John's original audience were Christians under pressure. They were being threatened by the Roman government to either renounce their faith in Jesus or to face persecution in the form of harassment or humiliation or exile or sometimes even death. And so some of them were looking for an easy way out some kind of compromise so that they could satisfy the Roman authorities and at the same time continue to confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This inspired word of God was given to confirm their faith, to encourage them to remain faithful, not to compromise, not even if it meant death, because Jesus, the risen Savior, had promised to share his Easter victory with them. He had promised that he would give them a crown of life. In Revelation, things are always clearly defined. It's either light or darkness. 
It's either good or evil. There's no middle ground. There's no way that a person could pay tribute to Caesar as God and still confess Jesus. So in Revelation chapter 3, for example, the Lord of the church had harsh words for the Christians at Laodicea. He said, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. So because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. They clearly understood what he meant. But this word of God is also meant for the church today. And you know that there are places like Haiti where Christian missionaries are being kidnapped and held for ransom. Places like Afghanistan where Christians are being violently tortured the way they were back in those days. But for most of us, American Christians living in the suburbs, it's more of a subtle kind of pressure. There's no one who has a knife to your throat demanding that you curse the name of Jesus. But it seems that our faith, our, our scriptural understanding of right and wrong and good and evil is being challenged and even rejected by most of the people around us. Sometimes even by members of our own family and our closest friends. And so there are some of us who are afraid to take a stand, especially if it might be controversial or unpopular. They sure don't want to talk about their faith in God around the Thanksgiving dinner table. They don't want to appear judgmental. They don't want to come off as hypocrites. It's much easier, it's much safer to say nothing, to just live and let live. That's what Jesus would do, wouldn't he? Of course not. But we live in a world that sees everything as dingy gray. Our culture claims to be so tolerant. There are no absolute truths. There are no sets of good and evil that apply to everyone. And people get upset with us every time we confess with Jesus that he is the way, the truth, the life, that there's no one who comes to the Father except through him. And so we face this constant pressure to compromise, to live and to act and to do what the world expects us to do, often at the expense of our faith. We're sometimes tempted to ask, what would it hurt if just once in a while I put my faith on a shelf and join everyone else in doing the things that they do. Why can't I just look the other way and ignore something that I know is wrong for the sake of peace? You find yourself compromising a little? A lot? Maybe it no longer bothers you. Have you become a lukewarm, a dingy gray kind of Christian? Then join me today in taking another look at this vision that was given to St. John in Revelation. He said, I saw a great multitude that no one could number. They came from every nation, tribe, people, languages. 
And there they were, standing before the very throne of God, and they're all wearing white robes. They're waving palm branches. They're singing an unending song. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And quickly one of the elders steps up to John and asks him, these in white robes, who are they? Where have they come from? And then he quickly explained, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are the martyrs. These are the saints that we celebrate today on this All Saints Day. These are the faithful ones who have not compromised. They had resisted the pressure. They had ignored the threats. They had suffered persecution, and some of them had even died for their faith. But now, even now, before the throne of God, they are celebrating their salvation. They're wearing white robes. These are the same white robes that the prophet Isaiah saw. He wrote, God has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. For a moment, stop and imagine that image. A garment of salvation. A robe of righteousness. Not his own righteousness. Because Isaiah also said that all of our filthy deeds or all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. God had clothed him. Now these saints had washed their robes. They had made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Washed in blood, the the image doesn't seem to work. If they were washed in blood, wouldn't they be red robes? But John also interpreted this for us. He assures us that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. So washed in the blood of Jesus, they are forgiven. They are pure and holy, and they are truly saints. Washed in the blood of Jesus, they are no longer dingy gray, but dazzling white. Washed in the blood of Jesus, they are worthy to stand before the throne of God and to celebrate their salvation in joy that goes on forever. Never again will they hunger or thirst. Never again will they face the threats or the pressure or the persecution or misery or sorrow or pain or death. For they have won through the blood of the Lamb. What would this vision have meant to those Christians who were still struggling and suffering persecution? Wouldn't it constantly remind them that they weren't alone? There was this great multitude. Nobody could even begin to number how many were still being faithful. All those who were singing, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to that beautiful Lamb 
Wouldn't it say to them there is joy, there is glory, there is salvation waiting? Just be and remain faithful. And what does it mean for us today? On this All Saints Day, as we remember and we celebrate those saints, our loved ones who have gone before us, Isn't this the vision that you need to see again and again? Every time you're faced with one of those difficult decisions to compromise or to stand firm. Every time you you face it within your life, within your family, out there in the world, every time your faith collides with the world, Will you confess Jesus? Will you continue to lift high his cross? Or will you yield to the world around you? This vision of a multitude of saints wearing white robes, standing before the throne of God, celebrating salvation, can make it all pretty clear to you and me. It's meant to strengthen and encourage us. So what kind of clothes will you wear, fellow Christians? The the black shredded tatters of your own sin? The filthy rags of your own self-righteousness? The dingy gray robe of a lukewarm faith? Have you compromised with the world? Have you yielded to the devil's temptations? Have you been unfaithful? There's a beautiful Lenten hymn that we'll sing today at the beginning of our communion celebration. It extends a gracious invitation to you and to me. It says, come to Calvary's holy mountain, sinners ruined by the fall. Wash your robes and make them white. For you shall walk with God in light. That's an invitation to you, poor miserable sinner, ruined by your sin. Come, wash your robe and make them white. Come, for you've already been washed in the water of holy baptism, washed in the blood of Jesus, forgiven of all your sins. Come, for the blood of the Lamb is here for you today. The blood of Jesus shed for the forgiveness of all your sins. Come and join with the angels, the archangels, with that whole company of heaven, with all the saints before the throne of God, evermore praising Him and singing salvation. That's what it's all about. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the glorious Lamb. Join those saints who have gone before us, living the victory of Easter now and forevermore. What kind of clothes do Christians wear? Suits and dresses and Work clothes and casual clothes, jeans and sneakers, and sometimes even cowboy boots. 
But today's lesson reminds us that the sharp-dressed Christian wears a garment of salvation, a white robe of uncompromising, victorious faith, washed pure, clean, white in the precious blood of Jesus. In his holy name, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.